0: following is an exclusive presentation of news radio kman your home for k state athletics it's game time this is the game on news radio kman
1: we're we're one day in and i am burnt out On Big 12 Media Day stuff. It's just, it's a a long day. And I'm not even there.
2: (laughs) Imagine if you were there slogging through.
1: But Mm. I gotta say, I think the one thing, if I've learned anything today, and we probably would have guessed this, but it was confirmed, that Mike Gundy dyes his hair. (laughs) If you saw how he showed up to the podium, and we're gonna hear from him in the second hour, as we're gonna hear from almost all the coaches from today, (laughs) uh, during today's show... Gundy shows up with his full head of brown hair. Oh, boy. Doesn't really have the mullet anymore. Hasn't had it for a little while. And then has a beard. I'm like, oh, Gundy with a beard. It's it's white. (laughs) It's a nice, thick, not long. Sure. But you can definitely tell. He he could have a good beard if he wanted to. Really solid, full beard. But (laughs) it was just white. (laughs) Listen, he's a man. He's not 40.
2: That's right. He's not
1: 40 anymore. He's in his... (laughs) He's low to mid fifties. Yeah, I think? he's he's er, in yeah. my neighborhood. Thank you very little.
2: <laughs> I'm a
1: male, but the thing is, Troy is growing out his facial hair, and he has. It's more. And you're in fifties. It's more black slash brown than white. You got the salt and pepper look going on. Yeah. Um, the
0: flaw is, is that I say that that uh, that the uh, salt is actually what would have been red hair. About twenty years ago,
2: uh-huh. Mom's a redhead. <laughs> you think Mike Gundy's his beard's all white because he's like so worried about this next year? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, just, it was like a, the Santa Claus kind of situation. He shaved and just comes right back, and it's all white.
1: I mean, come on, he's a former quarterback. Of course, he's going to be vain. That's true. This will sound <laughs> weird, but and this, you know, I'm not calling anybody old. But Mike Gundy and Chris Kleiman are the same age. Oh, wow. They're both 55 years old.
2: Well, It just feels like Mike Gundy. I mean, he's been around for so long. You just think, you know, wow.
1: Well, it doesn't
0: help that he was around as a player and you felt like, oh, well, you got rid of him finally. And then he's
1: back in as a coach. Hello. Yeah, he's been a head coach for a long time. Chris Kleiman, not as long, Uh you know, at the FCS, FBS level. And Gundy's been at gosh Oklahoma State how long now
2: 50 years yeah it feels like <laughs> it
1: I figured with the stress of the job he would have been all you know yeah the beard all gray would have been 20 years ago let's see he started he was a Oklahoma State his head coaching tenure started in 2005 so he's knocking on the door of 20 years Jeez. just a couple of years yeah. short of that welcome to the wow. game Mitch Fortner Troy Coverdale David G Travey on Berkland is here and uh it's day one of Big 12 media day so this is, of course, the part of the year where we hear from the other coaches in the Big 12 Conference, and we will play abbreviated versions of almost all of the coaches' uh, press conferences. I grabbed um, just a handful of questions and answers from each of their press conferences. We will not hear from BYU, because that's uh, that actually just wrapped up. I just didn't have the time to cut out what I wanted to play, but... We'll hear from Lance Leipold, Sonny Dykes of TCU, Dana Holgerson of Houston. He's back in the Big 12. (laughs) Dave Aranda had one question or answer I liked during the whole thing. God, what a snoozer. (laughs) Dave Aranda was the snooze fest of the day. Commissioner Brett Yormark, uh, boy, a ton of bullet points from his press conference and uh, really just his uh, introductory uh, introduction to the uh, Big 12 media days. He spoke to the media for just about 50 minutes. Uh, and uh, the the second half of that was questions from the media. Have a c- couple of clips to play from that. Plus, just mentioned a lot of bullet points that he mentioned. Steve Sarkeesian of Texas and Mike Gundy coming up in hour number two. So let's kick things off right now. Um, I I felt like it was appropriate since I think we've been talking about him and them more than anybody else recently. Mm-hmm. Lance Light pulled in the Kansas Jayhawks with Jalen Daniels in attendance and his fashion was pointed out more than anybody else <laughs> yeah, oh at media day so far and day one no doubt about it it's because he's got a really nice suit on but he also has a chain and the what do you call the the thing
2: on the is it's, I not don't, a locket but uh yeah it's um, not
1: you know pendant, pendant sure yeah it's, it looks like it's it looks like an Apple Watch without the wrist uh, part of it on there, the strap or whatever. And playing on it is just his highlight reel. <laughs> it's crazy. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. You know what? It is new. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I thought you know what? It's kind of neat. Yeah. It's it's an interesting flex. It's it's bragging for sure.
2: I like it better than the ruby red outfit that Grady Dick wore. You know I what? It
1: way more. I liked. I agree. Yeah. I, I liked Jalen Daniels and what he wore over Grady Dick. For sure. I will say well, that's I mean, true.
0: And, but let's be honest Jalen has more highlights than what Grady Dick had. All you, you know, if you want to just go back and play Grady's best defensive efforts, you're screwed.
1: I don't know. If you add up the games Jalen Daniels played, it might add up to exactly uh, what Grady Dick played in one year basketball with the Kansas Jayhawks. Here's an abbreviated version Lance Light pulled oh earlier today with the media. So
3: obviously,
4: protecting the quarterback is very important, especially one as high caliber as yours. Uh, you go and add Logan Brown out of Wisconsin. What kind of dynamic does he bring to your offensive line? Logan was a highly touted player out of high school. Played
5: a fair amount at Wisconsin. We look for Logan to add to, to our offensive line that already returns four starters. The thing I like about where we're at holistically as an offensive line is, A, the experience, the amount of starts that we have returning, the amount of depth that we have now, not just Logan. Spencer levels a transfer from Cal. Kobe Baines joined us last August from Louisville, so we have some we have some movable parts better than we've had before. What have you
1: seen from Jalen as far as just his further development
5: this spring, at head into the year? Keeping Jalen where he's in, in a position, staying healthy. He's he's making all the throws, everything that we need him to be. I've started to say this a little bit more today on the back half of the day is. I think one thing that sometimes forget about about Jalen and everything he brings to our program is he's an academic All-American. And what we put on his plate and what we ask him to do, whether it be just things in our offense, retaining the information, verbalizing it back to others, getting others lined up, um, I think he does an outstanding job. As we know, everybody's had a chance to see when he's healthy, what he does as a dual-threat quarterback. I think the other thing is his leadership abilities, his charisma. He's a guy that doesn't get too high or too low. And uh, I've said it from the start when he, when, he gave, when he burned his red shirt our first year, uh, he's a special man and a special individual. Lance, this is a, a league that can produce quick turnarounds. You guys a year ago, TCU, Baylor the year before that, for you to go from two and ten to that first bowl game and making that step, what were the foundational elements for you guys a year ago? I just think finally we, we've been able to build some some routine and trust first of all within our program. For us to be able our young men had gone through a lot of transition. I think the daily process of getting better and, and really holistic development has been a key for us. As a program, and, and I think when we went on the road to Morgantown, and, and then went down to Houston and, and battled back from deficits, and, and found a way to win on the road, the confidence and belief started to really take a, a even a larger step, and, and and kind of go through this, and it kind of built on the momentum that we had early. We talk about it, I think everybody does, but our locker room and, and leadership from our upperclassmen and, and people, uh, I think, allowed us to take that step. And uh, quite honestly, it was night and day difference ahead of what we were at our last stop as far as becoming a player-led program. And I know those players, and especially the four men that are here today, have embraced that and they're ready to take it another step.
6: To speak on kind of what you just talked about a bit, can you tell us what the investments the university is making in your program mean for the trajectory of what you're trying to build and talking about you know future stadium plans, renovations to the locker mm-hmm. room, things like that? Well, it,
5: it means the world to what we're going. We've been able to make some positive steps on the field. And and with my discussions with Travis Goff and Chancellor Gerard, and we talked about, you know, a lot of people talk about what they want to try to get done. Those two men let it, led it in, in us in a position now that we're going to get those things done and, and moving quickly. It was important to me that we were going to be able to do some things that the current players that have helped turn this thing into a positive direction would get some benefit from. So right after spring practice, we were working. On the renovations of the locker room, as you alluded to, in the weight room, and hopefully they will be completed by, by August one. Stadium announcements and things like that are 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 in the works, and those will be released, uh, I think, in the, in the near future. And those are exciting because you know Kansas was behind on those things. I don't think we're everyone knows that, and we're putting ourselves a, in, in a position that we've made that type of commitment, and we can be sustainable in the Big 12 Conference.
1: All right, so I'll stop it right there. Obviously, the big takeaway from that was the last question and answer, and that was about the the facility updates for the Kansas Jayhawks and especially with Memorial Stadium. All this KU money for renovations and, you know, finally doing the renovations for Memorial Stadium. I mean, it reminds me it just I think of the Pac-12 and the media rights deal and like how it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the stories of, like, with KU. It's like, well, it seems like we finally have answers. We've seen some ideas. Maybe this is actually going to happen for KU. What the money is going to be like is a bit fishy. But then it feels like it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back, and we don't get really true answers. And then finally, sounds like Lance Leipold has confirmed, I mean, really does, that that we're it's going to be very soon when KU announces the official updates to Memorial Stadium and the surrounding area. But, of course – a big help from the taxpayers to make that happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would have been mm-hmm. nice to know right now. I mean, you know, why not do it at Big 12 Media Days? You know, like, let us know what's up.
1: Because it's Brett Yormark that gets to make all the big announcements. That's true. Yeah. At Big 12 a valid, Media Days. A Honestly, valid. that is a big announcement today. They that they actually, uh, they're they're... They seem to be uh, truly in the works of making it happen
2: finally. We're planning on planning this thing, and it's going down, baby. Trust us. It's going to happen. Good for them. He sure does sound like a coach, though. I mean, he really sounds like a guy.
1: Yeah, he's still working on getting that voice back from last year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: Lance Leipold uh, entering his third year with the Kansas Jayhawks, 6-7 and last year. That was after a two-win season the year prior after he was, of course, named the head coach Um, shortly thereafter. He's all day long beginning questions about Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, the wide receivers, Uh, I haven't seen too much in the media from the tweets uh, coming from the defense, and obviously I know why. It's because, uh, yes, KU does have some players on the defensive side, but maybe not enough to be a truly good defensive team. We'll see what happens with the transfer portal. Um, But when you have 10 of 11 starters returning on offense, that's kind of going to steal the show a little bit. Yeah,
0: it's the base of where they are. Let's be honest. The defense is an absolute unknown, even for them. You're basically rolling the dice right now to try to predict what their defense is going to be this year. Especially given as poor as it was last year.
2: Let them down in a lot of games. Oh, gosh, yes. Really let them down. So, I guess. We'll see. Uh.
1: Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue on with Big 12 Media Days. Up next is... The coach that led an underrated TCU team to the national championship game, of course lost to the Cats in the Big 12 title game, Ew. we'll hear from Sonny Dykes after these words. By the way, I cashed
0: every one of those dimes last night on hey. the national
1: League. And what was the, uh, how much did you win?
0: Uh, I added up
1: i picked up
0: uh an extra 12 on my 15 worth of bets
2: whoa
0: so
1: so you well bet 15 night. to try to win 12 is that what you're saying uh well that but right? that
0: that also included the wnba that i had and yeah so i mean it low dollar bets but you know how it goes um
2: you added 15 bucks or 12 bucks was it twelve? yeah dude That's money in the bank.
0: You you take it. You build the bank a little.
1: Yeah, Mitch.
0: You you bet safe sometimes. What do I know
1: about betting? I don't know a thing.
0: You know, so had the uh, under uh, four and a half in five innings. Got that one. Under seven and a half for the ball game. Got that one. Pulled the National League money line. Luis arrives with a hit. Boom. All four of
1: them. Was, it a, good, was it a good all-star game? Uh, I was too I, busy playing trivia.
0: No, I barely watched it. I got through the second inning. I was disappointed in the second that Fox went to utilizing microphones uh, when Nathan Nivaldi was trying to pitch. They're trying to talk to a pitcher in the middle of, mm. and he's on the clock. With the pitch clock, it does not work. Having that conversation, he's working against batters, and he's having to work in 20 seconds. Any interview question is going to knock him off that timing. And so it did not pan out well. And then they added to it by making it even worse, they opened the microphone on one of the hitters.
1: Bre- Brett Yormark. Uh, and tried
0: to turn it into a conversation while, they're, yeah. while it's hitter, hitter-facing pitcher. It just did not work. It well, was
1: bad. Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark gave a shout-out to Fox. He's apparently Fox... I don't know what they did—gave a shout out or ran some promo for the Big 12 during last night's game. I
0: did not catch it. I didn't either. They may have run the commercial that they debuted down in Arlington today. <laughs> and actually. your Mike was
1: such a fan of it, he had not run it twice. I was like, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it's okay, you know. Just you know, pushing the brand as as he does. Now let's uh, let's jump to TCU. TCU, a two loss team last year, runner up not only in the Big 12 but they're also runner up in the nation, uh, losing the national championship game in a blowout. Uh, At the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs. Also lost in, of course, overtime in the Big 12 championship to K-State. K-State and Georgia, virtually similar teams. Can TCU do it again? Get to a Big 12 championship? Threaten to be a top-four team? Get into the playoffs? Some think they can. Some think this offense can be more dangerous than the offense last year. Still questions about the defense, but... That TCU defense, which wasn't perfect, was not one of the best in the Big 12, still has three returners from last year that were on the All-Big 12 teams. They return as preseason All-Big 12 teams at each level. Defensive lineman, linebacker, and in the secondary. Earlier today, speaking at Big 12 Media Days, TCU second-year head coach, Sonny Dykes.
3: Didn't have very high expectations. I think we were picked seventh in the preseason poll. Um, and I probably would have picked us lower, honestly, um, uh, than, than I think the media did just based on what was coming back and, and the coaching change and, and all the stuff that, that, that transpired. Uh, but what made that group interesting and fun to coach was we were better collectively than we were individually, and that's, that's a sign of a, of a great team. And I think that's what we had last year. You know, when the season started, I felt like we were an average football team, probably, honestly, slightly below average. Uh, we won some games, got a little confidence, hit the, hit the second part of our schedule and started to win some games and became a probably slightly above average football team. Um, you know, won some, some games and figured out how to win. Uh, became a probably good football team. And I think uh, at times last year we, we were a great football team. And uh, it was a fun ride to go on. Uh, those players, uh, man, their, their level of commitment – and their respect uh, for each other was really just fun to be a part of and it was a hell of a ride and and something i'll never forget Uh, but at the same time we got to move forward you know uh, what happened last year is certainly not going to have any bearing on what's going to happen this year
6: Uh, Last year you had one of the most explosive offenses in the nation, about 27 seconds per play. Now Kendall Bryles comes in, ran
0: a much faster offense for Arkansas at 23 seconds. Are there any high-level wrinkles we'll see
6: with TCU offense?
3: Yeah, um, you know, we did. We lost some really good football players. I mean, you look, you know, Max Duggan finished second in the Heisman Trophy. You know, we had three wide receivers drafted. You know, we had an offensive lineman Steve Avila drafted in the second round. Uh, You know, so we lost some, some significant weapons. You know, the thing I love, though, is the guys that we have coming back. You know, I think it all begins with your offensive line. I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, both of our tackles uh, that are coming back. I mean, to me, that's where it all begins up front. You know, Kendall coming in, I think he shares the same vision I, I do. He wants to run the ball. You know, he wants to be a physical offense that runs the football. That's what I want to be as well. You know, I think we saw the value in having a, a tough, physical, hard-nosed run game last year and the success we had up front and, and – success Kendra Miller had and Max running the ball, all those things were important to us having the success that we had. And Kendall shares that same philosophy. I think that the offense will look pretty similar, but it truly comes from a different place. Garrett was more of a traditional air raid guy and had, uh, you know, pretty air raid heavy or air raid centric concepts. Uh, Kendall's got a lot of the same things, but probably a little bit more wrinkles maybe than we've had in the past. As you said, has a history of playing very fast you know our pace of play will be determined by you know what figuring out ways to win football games and sometimes um, sometimes going slow and protecting our defense is, is the way to go to give ourselves the best chance to win sometimes you have to make those adjustments I mean you look at Texas last year we go into that game two high-powered offenses and it's three nothing at halftime and so you've got to adapt as you get into those games and you have to do what it takes to win games and uh, Kendall shares that philosophy just like I do and and so excited about getting him hired I think he's a tremendous leader I think he provides a lot of confidence to that group I think our players really believe in him
1: all right I'm going to stop it right there because uh there in that last minute and a half was it was brought up with the new offensive coordinator for uh TCU's Kendall Bryles which is obviously not exactly the most popular hire of course hmm. was at Baylor when all the Rape, sexual, uh, sexual assault allegations went down. Our Briars is, of course, fired uh, because of all that. And, of course, the tie's there. So he's been out of the Big 12 for a while, now returns to coach with Sonny Dykes at TCU. But with the unpopular things I just brought up about Kendall Bryles, his coaching that he's going to bring to TCU – is expected to take TCU's offense to the next level, if you can believe that, with what's coming back is interesting because you're, you're missing so many guys from the previous year's offense. The Heisman Trophy runner-up mm-hmm. is one of them. Quentin Johnston, a first-round draft pick, is gone. But it's you know good time to remind everybody Chandler Morris was actually supposed to be the starting quarterback a year ago, not Max Duggan. And he gets hurt early and somehow TCU caught lightning in a bottle and Max Duggan, improved quarterback, gets the Horn Frogs to a national championship game. Quentin Johnston is gone. Top targets gone from last year. But I thought with the returners they got and the holes they needed to fill, pretty decent job in the transfer portal. JoJo Earl from Alabama is now transferring in. J.P. Richardson of Oklahoma State transferring in. Jack Beck from LSU is transferring in, and the offensive line, like pretty much the rest of the lineup for TCU, which by the way, they're also losing Kendry Miller at running back, but the offensive line, who also lost a couple of guys, have reloaded on the offensive line, so I guess there's potential for this offense to be explosive, be better than last year. For me right now, I got to see it before I can believe it. I think that's a lot of hype right now that I'm not exactly bought into yet. I still think they're going to be good. Don't I mean, I voted them third place in the Big 12. Um, but that's because I feel like their defense should be better this year. I think the offense should at least keep pace. They won't be the best offense in the Big 12, but they could definitely be one of the best. But with Kendall Bryles, you know, he is brought in because TCU has to greatly improve on third down, and they want to speed things up. They plan to speed things up. With Kendall Bryles, it's going to be a lot of the same look, but maybe they're going to move a little bit quicker. So, again, there's potential, but hype saying that it's going to be more explosive than last year, that some of the Texas, I should say, TCU beat writers have been saying, I can't quite believe that just yet. There's
0: a love for Bryles' style of offense, Hugh Freeze's style of offense, where they feel that it opens up a lot offensively and his high speed that's that seven on seven texas style offense uh, high school offense that has developed over the years and has been highlighted so much and they feel that that's the 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 idea that that's what you want to see it's the variation on what mike leach did with the air raid at texas tech i don't see it when you don't have the personnel that's where it gets problematic you've got questions at quarterback Running back is a question mark again there, but especially the fact that you've got questions at quarterback and you're coming off of what was a dramatically long season for you in terms of numbers of games played, you played in the final game of the season, that takes its toll on guys too. You know, how did that impact spring? How did that impact injuries into spring? How has it impacted preparations for this year? Um it there are a lot of questions surrounding that team. I, I don't I don't see where that offense is going to be hitting on all cylinders until maybe game six or seven, and even then it's gonna be questionable.
1: Speaking of question marks. Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State and his team. We're going to hear from him, and he's certainly opinionated. That's coming up in hour number two, plus Texas Steve Sarkeesian. Commissioner Brett Yormark, a lot to say about moving forward with the Big 12. is also coming up in hour number two. Up next, we move on to another team in the Lone Star State, the Houston Cougars and head coach Dana Holgerson, who's back in the Big 12, now with the Houston Cougars, previously, of course, with West Virginia. Worse hair. Holgerson, Gundy. Oh, Holgerson.
2: Holgerson. (laughs) Not even close.
1: Oh, Dana's up next on The Game. Big 12 Media Days coverage here on The Game continues as uh, we run through all the coaches that spoke today. Seven of them. Uh, the only uh, program we're not going to hear from is BYU. They uh, started doing all their media stuff, especially the big stuff, uh, right as we were coming on air. So might get to them tomorrow, no promises. They didn't
2: have anything good to say anyway. Nah, no, I doubt it. I mean. Come on. Well,
1: can't say this uh, next coach I'm too high on in this team I'm, too high, I'm not too high on, and that's the Houston Cougars under... Head coach Dana Holgerson, who took over in 2019 um, after an exit at West Virginia. Uh, last year, 8-5, and five, but let me tell you something. They were supposed to be a pretty big deal last year, mm-hmm. and they underachieved. And that underachievement started pretty early in the year when they took on Texas Tech and Kansas and lost those games in heartbreaking fashion, or at least the Texas Tech game in heartbreaking fashion, uh, things got away from them late in the uh, first half when they took on the Kansas Jayhawks and just could never catch up. I want to get to more on that here in just a moment, but let's right now check in with Houston head coach Dana Holgerson. Could you just give us your first impressions on Donovan Smith
4: and what kind of impact do you expect him to have this season? I've been very impressed with with Donovan. Um, you know, he's he's played a lot of ball. You know, so he's played in 21 games, uh, and I think that's important. You know, we lost a very seasoned quarterback in Clayton Toon. Uh, you know, he's been our guy for, for four years and has been uh, a model of consistency and, and, and just a, a, a model program player. Um, wish him all the luck in the, in the NFL, but that opens it up to who's next, you know. And I was talking with, with Andre Ware up there about this a minute ago. The University of Houston's had really good quarterback play over the years, you know, from, from Andre back in the day to David Klingler to Kevin Cobb to when I coached uh, Case for two years, Uh, In 08, 09, um, you know, and and then and then Tunes a part of that conversation as well. So the expectations are high uh, for Donovan, you know. But uh, I felt like it was important to bring a guy in with with experience, with uh, Big 12 experience, you know. We we did that at a number of other positions as well. Uh, But Donovan, he's he's impressed me. I think his best days are ahead of him. Uh, You know, he's he's only been playing quarterback for a couple years, so. You know, he's, he's, got, he's got the upper hand right now based on 21 games of experience, but Lucas Coley has been battling.
6: Uh, last year in non-conference play, you played Texas Tech and Kansas in back-to-back games. Do you use that two-game stretch as kind of a barometer to see how prepared you are to face a Big 12 schedule on a week-to-week basis in this conference?
4: Well, every year is different. You know, 42 spots on our roster uh, this year are new. Okay, so every year is different. Every team's different. I, I, I was very careful with, with talking too much Big 12 prior to January. I think we probably made a little bit too big of a deal playing Kansas after we lost to Texas Tech the way that we lost to Texas Tech. Uh, you know, it was just a hard way to lose. And, you know, we had another opportunity to play a Big 12 quality uh, school in, in the University of Kansas who was playing lights out at the time. Uh, as good as anybody in the country, I would argue, when we played them. Uh, I think we pressed too much a little bit just based on, you know, this is what it's going to be like, you know. But uh, I tried not to make that big of a deal about it uh, since January. Yeah, I've talked about it because that's the way it's going to be. You know, it's going to be like that every week. So, you know, but every team's different. Um, you know, this, this, this team is different than last year's team. Um, you know, I, it's my job to kind of figure out how it's different and, and, and what we got to do to be successful.
1: Once again, it's Dana Holgerson from earlier today, the head coach of the Houston Cougars. And there was, you know, obviously talk about having to play a couple of Big 12 teams last year, losing both of them. You know, there's an interesting stat actually about that for Dana Holgerson because even prior to him arriving at Houston in 2019, I mean, Houston, I forget who the head coach was at the time, but was not winning games against Power 5 teams. They had had a very rough track record lately against Power 5 teams, and in just the previous few years went 1-12 against teams out of the Power 5. Since Dana Holgerson has taken over in 2019, Houston has still not won another game against a Power 5 program. They are 0-11 Wow, against the Power 5. I see out of the four programs coming in officially on January 1st, in Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF, and maybe this is just a Dana Holgerson thing, I see them making the roughest adjustment Mm. to the Big 12. Maybe with being a Big 12 program now, maybe they'll see an uptick in uh, talent coming in. But really, I think it's a coaching thing because looking back at Houston, and I mentioned 23rd ranked in the country coming in, and they start one and two. Houston had the worst issue with having a strong start to a game. They would like coast for the first three quarters. They're down a score or two, and then it's dramatics in the fourth quarter because finally they turn it on and try to bounce back. They go 8-5, and five, a, deep, a pretty good record. They don't win the American, but they threaten at least a little bit. But again, didn't beat any Power 5 teams. They lost to Texas Tech and Kansas. But also 9 of the 13 games last year were one score games. They just they couldn't play a full football game. They did win 8 games. They could have won more than that and it was expected that they would win more than that. They there are people saying that this could be the next this could be last year's Cincinnati. Mm. They were supposed to be that good and they didn't turn out to be that good because they couldn't play good first halves to TCU's benefit
0: when it all played out through the course of the season honestly because you would have had Houston as a spoiler that TCU eventually wound up becoming. I honestly see, and it, and there's irony in this, West Virginia and Houston are the two teams to me that strike me as the bottom dwellers. Mm. And the irony in that is that you have West Virginia trying to sort out where they are now with their coach post-Holgersen, and you've got Houston trying to sort it out with Holgerson.
2: I uh, I just don't trust anybody who says This is this is different, instead of different. I hate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, didn't wasn't it Tom Herman? Wasn't it yes. Tom Herman at, 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 Houston, at Houston before? Houston. before I Kevin, mean,
0: Kevin Sumlin.
2: Oh, that's right. Because then he gets the big gig, uh-huh. and then, and even before they couldn't beat a Power Five. I mean. Own eleven, you said that's terrible. And what is it with Houston? Why is Houston never? How is Houston the size it is and the city the size it is and everything? And they have never been able to be anything more than just like a Conference USA kind of school.
0: Predominantly because you have the Texas and Texas A and M influence, specifically A and M. College Station's not very far away, right? And you also have Rice in the city. And so right there, you've got those two that are you know, competitive with each other, sure. you know, a rivalry over the years. But Houston, uh, for, for much of the history, was not even in the Southwest Conference. Right. You know, they were a latecomer. So in many ways, that program never has gotten established to a level that, that they're big time. Right. Never right. has gotten that way. Basketball did for that brief stint in the 80s. I
2: slam a jamma,
0: but football never never caught the attention of the market.
1: Another uh, stat about last year's Houston Cougars team, and I mentioned, you know, 9 of their 13 games last year was one-score games. Also 9 of 13 games last year they trailed at halftime in 9 of those wow. games. They are late bloomers under D- ah. Dana Holgerson in football games. Wow. You cannot survive in the Big 12 no. if you stay that way, no. Mm-mm. That's why I think this is going to be a rough transition for Houston. To me, and I don't know if I brought my poll in here, but I'm pretty sure I had Houston last uh, when it comes to the four newcomers. Mm-hmm. And I, but on the on the poll that the media had out, they had Cincinnati at thirteen. I'm like. I don't think it's going to be that kind of transition for Cincinnati.
0: No, no. and with Scott Satterfield back as the head coach there, I I think that they're able to keep a stride going because he's he's a solid coach. And I I think that that was a good move on their part. And the fact that they lured him away from Louisville uh, is very intriguing to me. Mm
1: -hmm. All right, we'll finish up the first hour of day one of Big 12 Media Days. Hearing from Baylor head coach Dave Aranda, just going to play a comment he made about – Last year's starting quarterback Blake Shapin, but kind of in my opinion, I don't know if he's going to be the starting quarterback this year. There's a quarterback battle in Waco that's up next. Big 12 media days continue tomorrow, and Chris Kleiman will be the first one up to the podium just after 9 o'clock from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. We wrap up our one of day 1 covering Big 12 media days from hear- hearing from Dave Aranda the head coach of the Baylor Bears. Entering his fourth season last year 6 and 7 and was led by quarterback Blake Shapen who some thought including me for a you know for a day or two thought I gave it a legit thought I was like you know what he might be the best quarterback in the Big 12 this year. We'll see. Had a lot of hype around him heading into the last season. Baylor ends up 6-7 and seven after many thought he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. Blake Shapin was not in the top five last year mm-hmm. in quarterbacks for the Big 12. Now, when I said before the break that he might not be the starting quarterback this year, that that was tongue-in-cheek, and I think Dave Aranda wouldn't actually mind that message out there to really push Blake Chapin. He did answer a question earlier today. Uh, about the progress that Blake Shapin is making in the off season. And it it freeze up. Oh, boy, here we go. Let's try to get this to work here. Very
6: proud of Blake. I you know, to um you know, I've I feel like I've I've felt some of the same things. I have to imagine a lot of you guys have of you step into an opportunity and you just it's clicking and you're rolling. It's not a thought of man, it's this easy, but it's like, hey, this is pretty good. And then to go upon hard times and to see maybe that there's blind spots the whole time and then to address those things, to come out stronger because of it. It's such a cool story. And to come out of it with like a pure heart, not like, you know, I'm gonna prove to you or I'm gonna show you or, you know, this to you or whatever. To not chase approval, but to really work for improvement, which is way cool. And so a big fan of his, you know, the team sees that, the guys see that, and they want to work hard for him. And um, you know, his growth uh off the field uh as a leader and just in terms of just doing all the things has been really good to see. And so I'm expecting big things. I know he is too.
1: So back to what I was saying before the break about potentially a quarterback battle, it's probably really not a battle, but I'm sure Dave Aranda wouldn't mind talking about it like a battle, because what I'm getting to here is that Last year, an issue for Dave Randy. he didn't use the transfer portal as much as he should. Uh, he did this year, and with that being said, brought in a quarterback who was a four-star kid, I mean, was like supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the recruiting class of 2022, and Sawyer Robertson, who ended up going to Mississippi State, he is now transferred to Baylor, and uh, is most likely, of course, going to be the second-string quarterback, but... I actually looked up his film and his stats from high school. I mean that he's six big kid, six four. He can rip. He's got a hell of an arm ripping down the field. He'll also run the football. So maybe trying to put a little bit of pressure on Blake Shapen, step up, be more of a leader, and improve. But also going back to the transfer portal thing, definitely needed to step up in some areas. Definitely needed the portal to do that. Dave Miranda has done so. Now with that potential being said, that's why I was like, you know, I, I didn't know where to put Baylor. Baylor could definitely be an improved team from last year, but it's just it's too hard to tell right now. They're just they got a lot of question marks. They really do. They went to the portal, got Dominic Richardson at running back from Oklahoma State. He's going to be a one-two punch, uh, which with Richard Reese, uh, who is one of the better returning running backs, of course, in the Big Twelve this season, went to the portal and got actually brothers to play offensive line, and they both were previously at BYU. Talk about a, a, I'm hoping a rivalry develops there. And now Iran has taken away some football players from uh, the Baylor Bears receiving core. I'm not sure. And then, you know, the defense as well has some question marks and where they really need to improve Because they just need to get to the quarterback and just get in the backfield. They really struggled with that, um, especially in the second half of the season. As a matter of fact, I had a stat about that and I have lost my place. And I'll get that here in just a second. So, what that stat was you know the the front 6 for Baylor started out really well really well in getting in the backfield in the first 4 games they had 10 sacks pretty good start there they were getting tfls the rest of the season they had 11 uh check that they had 3 sacks Whoa. the rest of the year
0: after those first 4 games folks really adjusted well after finally getting a feel for them that they didn't have the year before defensively Wow. Remember how good that defense was two years ago.
2: Yeah. Carried him.
0: Well, yeah,
1: I mean Matt Rule. Matt Rule was the defensive oh, guy. Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, we'll see what happens with Nebraska. Yeah, boy. Too many returners on that Nebraska defense. I'm not quite sure about Matt Rule in 2023. We'll see. Uh all right, when we come back, hour two of the game, we're gonna get to a whole lot of what Big Twelve Commissioner Brett Yormark had to say not just about conference realignment. Plus, we're going to hear from coaches, Texas Steve Sarkeesian and Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy. But up next is your local news.